Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 71. Hello, Lauren. How you doing, Brooke? I'm good. I'm good. You? Back in the same room together. Yep. Here in balmy Wichita Falls, Texas. <laughs> balmy. You know, I had Has my... Has ever been a word used to describe Wichita Falls before? <laughs> well, I had my weather app on my phone this morning. I check it every morning, especially as a motorcycle... I know you do as a Jeep driver. Uh-huh. As a motorcycle rider, I check the weather almost every morning right. religiously to find out, is it a riding day? the top off kind of day you know right. yeah. and uh i still had my weather app set to frisco colorado mm. and so it said the high today was 72 nice and i was like yes not so much and then i realized <laughs> nope yeah well it gets it, sometimes i get lazy and it's like oh it's summer like i don't expect the weather to be anything but like burn your skin so <laughs> burn your skin degrees like, like i gotta I, you said that earlier and i was like oh you know what i didn't even think about it and my weather app says it's raining right now it wasn't but it sure said it was so i i don't know, I don't know. it is good to be home and how's vacation it's great it's great i don't i don't want to bore anybody with my vacation stories well, that's uh, good i didn't really want to hear excellent that. Just, excellent we're just, on the same page then i was just trying to give you an opportunity. it was fantastic <laughs> i loved colorado and i loved coming home uh, this is home for us now, and I have I get the same reaction from people. Why, why did you move from Colorado? Mm-hmm. Why to, back to Texas or <laughs> specifically Wichita Falls? And man, we got family on both sides. Family all over Texas. Uh, we love the culture here. It's way cheaper, and we still get to you know vacation in other fun places. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Man, it's good to be home. We love Wichita Falls, and I hope we get to be here a long time. And yeah. get to admit, take more trips to Colorado. <laughs> and still get to go back to Colorado. Yes, yes. Are you guys doing anything for July 4th? Uh, we are going to lay low. I know that my another another joy of being closer to family, we're going to go see my parents. Um, Mom, if you're listening, I haven't even uh, asked if we can come, but we're planning <laughs> on coming to see you. <laughs> FYI, we're going to be there. <laughs> I don't know if we'll go for the day, Monday, or, or a little more this weekend. You know, uh, definitely prioritizing church and, and teaching this Sunday, but... Yeah, I, I I will be very disappointed if I don't get to see, if we don't get to see my parents um, and my sister and her family. They all live in Lake Kiowa, Texas, which is right at two hours east of here, just yeah. east of uh, Gainesville. Okay. So that'll That's be fun. fun. You guys got July 4th plans? You're going to go up to Oklahoma or in no, Dallas? Actually, or? no, not really. My my uh, my parents are going to come down. Oh, that's um, right. Our kids come are here. our kids are actually up in Oklahoma with the other, with, with, right now? with my in-laws right now. Um, they're doing VBS up at their church, and uh, um, the kids are all up there. And so they're going to go out on the on their little pond and fish Fun. and do all those kinds of things that they don't do here because so I don't So how, how, many, how many days do you and Kara Kay get, days and nights, just the two of you? Uh, let's see. So they left yesterday afternoon. So that, we got that to, was Sunday. We got to watch a movie yesterday that we could turn up. Which you was could crazy. turn up louder, yeah, because there wasn't a kid in bed and not that we had to yeah. for language or uh-huh. whatever. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. There was little. Um, then, uh, so we'll have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Wow, I'm pretty sure she's going back up to get them on, thir- on Thursday. Every parent of kids out there, especially the little ones uh, that's listening, just went. Oh, I wish I could do that. <sighs> it's crazy. It's so weird. It's like now we have this really quiet house, and I have to like pay attention to the dog because. Nobody else is around to do that, and 
I'm so excited for you, and, though. Uh, That's great. I, yeah. We both love our kids, not dissing kids. That's right. No, absolutely. But as absolutely. a married couple, there's something about that unique time alone. Good for I you. I will be thrilled for them to come home generally a little bit longer than they stay, but... Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. They'll, they'll be, uh, we, we talked to them for briefly last night, like very briefly, like one of them called us on like FaceTime and we were like, pause the movie and we're like, Hey, what's up? And she was like, can I have more time on this thing? And we were like, it's good to see you too. It's, I know it's been what, six is hours. It, is it like, are they like, uh, is it 12, 10, eight, six, right at that? Uh, 12, 10, nine and six. 12, 10, nine, six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh. It's good, but we we actually so um, you know with with uh, the, a lot of the the medical stuff that my wife has been going through, um, part of it is she's losing her hearing, mm. and uh, and so basically her left ear is pretty much gone, um, and oh my and, gosh. and it's not great in her right ear, but it's really difficult for her to be in in really loud settings and all this kind of stuff, which which is like it's interesting because. I, I now realize how much my mom and dad, who are both deaf in one ear, uh, went through that mm. I just never even, you know, I was a kid. I didn't have any sympathy. I didn't care. And not really. I love you, parents. But, um, you know, it was like I didn't I never think about those things. Mm. But now it's like, man, when she's in, we went to a restaurant and we had to go sit outside because it was like it was so overwhelming um, in her head, just being able to not being able to differentiate. And, you know, some of that will come with time, but having the kids gone, we basically said, okay, well, we've been learning, um, American sign language. So ASL, because in loud areas, it's difficult to hear. And so we have to be able to communicate in other ways other than we, just the two say, of you, you and care. K. Yeah. Well, yes, but we're also You're you teaching know, the family. The, too. The, the kids are learning as well, but wow. this gave us an opportunity to now say, Okay, so I texted her yesterday. I was like, so how about we sign, try, at least try, even if we have to pause and look up words or whatever, we'll try to sign all of our conversations while the kids are gone, mm. um, which is, is is interesting because half the time we're making up a sign that I'm like, well, I don't know the word for this, but it's something like this, and this will make you understand it. So, uh, yeah, so we're, it's, it's, it's an interesting week not having the kids here. Um, and then, of course, it's always just, quiet and that's weird you know mm. you have four kids you understand i do it's quiet is weird like when I, things get quiet that's when there's something wrong mm. and so now when the things are quiet it's like wait oh okay i'm supposed to enjoy this and relax now mm. it's weird yeah uh so we started the atm build at atm the as in oh at the movies i thought at you the meant movies. Like a, we were building our own atm what is an atm in everyday life. Is it automatic teller, teller machine? machine? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. More importantly, at the movies. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> started the build yesterday. We did. Had a bunch of folks up at the church, uh, hammer nails and um, putting up a new wall. Can I say that much? I don't know how much we're allowed to yeah, say. Yeah, that's okay. That's very, that's, very that, doesn't generic. Mean, that doesn't mean much. Yeah. Um, we went to our small group last night, and they were grilling us because because most of them weren't <laughs> there for the build and weren't aren't privy uh-huh. to what the movies are going to be. Which we've not given that to anybody, no, really. No, um, but but like Kelly Morris, uh-huh. who is on our at the movies right. planning team, right. and I are in the room, so they're just they're yeah. grilling us like crazy. Um, and uh, she was so fun. Kelly was so funny, just being so cryptic about things. <laughs> well, and then there's this other project, and I can't <laughs> describe really. And um, anyway, um, yeah, it's I'm excited about it's getting real. You know, we're we're kicking it off 
two weeks from yesterday. Yep. Today's we're recording our podcast on Monday the twenty seventh. So our Sunday the tenth of July will be the first of five weekends of at the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited I, about that. Movie. I am excited. Yes, yeah, I like that movie. It's fun. I don't, I don't know how much people are like really tired of us. We've been, how many weeks in a row we've been? Oh, at the movie, it's getting closer. Oh, no, it's right. getting closer. We talked. Plus, about I'm it. realizing with some of the friends I've made just the last year or two, they have no context. They have no context right. for the history we've had during at the movies. Right. Which also makes me more excited because I think they're going to go. This is so fun. Oh, this, this is, is fun. cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have. You know, I've been here for seven years and we've done it. Um, I think six different times. We didn't do it last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we've we I as soon literally when I got here, I started in June, and so I jumped into our first year of at the movie. Not our first year, sorry, my first year of at the movies here, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I know that at the movies had had happened at least a couple of years prior to that too. So there is quite a history of at the movies here at Colonial. It's just you know we have a lot of new people that don't know it because we haven't done it for a couple of years now. Right. So right. So yes, the the not having context of what that means. I think about the conversation you guys had a few weeks back that was like, okay, wait. So in your small group, you were like, um, so no, so happened, what's at the movie? It happened again last night. God really? bless her, one of my favorite people. <laughs> she, we'd already answered this question, but we're talking about this for like ten or twelve minutes, and she finally goes, okay, so hold on, hold on. When is at the movies? When when are we going to watch these movies? Yeah. and we're like, it, it starts Sunday, July tenth. So like at night, we're like, <sighs> no. In the morning, <laughs> in the auditorium, like oh, she's like during church. You mean service. like during church service? Like yeah. it's such a new experience, right? That I'm like, oh, shame on us. We just don't explain yeah. things well. So you know? for those of you that have never seen this before and have no context, we're going to have our normal services on Sunday mornings, and instead of Lauren getting up and uh, and and delivering a message, or Jordan, or or Tanner, or whoever. Um, we will have a video play that is a mix between teaching and part of a movie. And so there's a good solid 30 minutes of, of a movie that you'll see, and we'll jump around. So it's not like we're going to just hit play and watch all the way through and see what happens. We're not going to see everything in it. We edit a lot of these movies. We edit these movies a lot because we're trying to tell a, a brief story rather than hmm, watch a hour and a half to two and a half hour movie. So... Um, so it'll be a little bit different. There will be some back and forth. It's very produced uh, as far as creating what we've created, and and it's just a different, fun way to do things. So we will have five different movies that will be um, a a spectrum of uh, of different things. You know, we have some animated movies and some uh, some some more fun movies and some heavier movies and some plenty of things to learn from. And and you know, when you look at when you look at uh, Throughout the Gospels, Jesus used stories that were relevant to the people. So we're going to use stories that are relevant to our people. People, you know, movies that that um, that we've that we've been been watching over the last couple of years. That uh, you know, in a lot of ways, are very near and dear to our heart, and maybe in some ways are uh, a little overly uh, near and dear because our children love them. Mm. Um, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But. Um, so yeah, we got the build started, and the build means basically we're building something so that as you come in to our building, that it will look different. Mm. Um, it will feel different. Uh, we have done some pretty massive things in the past um, that we're not going to try to bite off nearly as much as what we've done in the past um, this year, 
but uh, but we, we will have something different that's going to change some things. We'll have some concessions available that uh, that will be fun and some different drinks and candy options and some popcorn available and things like that that you normally would, you know, if you think about what you would put in your uh, in your purse or when you, you know, stop by the gas station or whatever before you go to the movie theater. Maybe that's just me. I don't I don't buy things at the movie theater. We go to the gas station and get them and then go. You're the guy with the, the huge pocket full that's of right, that's Skittles. Right. Cargo pants are perfect for <laughs> movies. That's what I that's what I say. So yeah, that'll 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 start next week. So um but or I'm sorry, in two weeks. That starts in two weeks. But next week is different. So tell us what's different. Why is next week different? It is that we you know we're talking about the July fourth weekend yeah. time frame. What's different for next week? Well, specifically this coming Sunday, we're only gonna do one service. So for all you colonial folks, don't forget this Sunday is uniquely different. We'll go back to our two service times for At The Movies the following week. But this Sunday, we're we're banking on a lot of us being scattered, people at the lake, people at families' houses. Uh, but a lot of us, like my family, will have, uh, or like your family, Brooke, will have family visiting here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be a bunch of us still here. But we're going to do one service, 10 a.m. only, this Sunday. Um, and we're hoping that not only just gives us a little bit easier way to staff our kids ministries and welcome teams and things like that but also just a little more fun together having everybody in the room together in one service so plan now 10 a.m only this sunday Uh, we'll also resume our at the movies building and preparation um after the holiday so nothing this weekend nothing monday but then tuesday the 5th uh, assuming we'll still have some work to do. Yeah, I was gonna say a lot we of may that, not. A we lot of that'll not. depend on how far we get this week, and and uh, yeah. you know what kind of details we want to add to it. And sometimes you get those. We get we get some of this stuff built, and then we say, man, it'd be really cool if we could add this thing to it. Yeah. So that'll give us a little extra time to be able to do that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready to shift gears? Always. Okay. Man. So I was born to shift gears. <laughs> at the movies is is a fun uh, a fun thing, and July Fourth is a fun thing. Um, but this week was a crazy week in the life of the Supreme Court. Um, we had Did something happened. Something Brooke? happened. Yeah, there was. Um, they had a conversation or something. I think they pretty big deal actually. Yeah, I think I'll they just... they ordered Jimmy John's instead of Subway, and it was crazy. I'm kidding. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, so so as we talked about several uh, several weeks back, um, we talked about uh, the the leaked opinion. That came from the Supreme Court about uh, that would that would basically was ju- was was overturning the was it 1973 1973 decision in Roe in Roe v. Wade yes making abortions legal throughout the United States mm-hmm. and so now we have uh, the decision that came down I think it was Friday morning right I believe so um, I was still coming back from vacation I think it was Friday I think it was Friday morning in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson which is uh, ultimately has overturned um, Roe v. Wade and uh, I think it was 92's Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Yes. Right. So that's a lot of legal stuff. Ultimately, um, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and, and if you have been around the pro-life uh, camp for the last several decades, that has been the main target of yes. a lot of things oh my goodness. for a long time. Shaped it's shaped our landscape. Uh it's shifted so much emphasis politically, so much you you could even argue, golly, that's another rabbit trail as we like to call it, but <laughs> you could even argue it changed 
Christians' involvement in politics mm-hmm. significantly mm-hmm. Uh, in the, I would say, more into the 80s. In the 80s, right. Um, just even Christians who disagreed on a lot of other things uh, linking arms over the abortion issue. Uh, it's certainly been front and center. Certainly been front and center in politics right. on the national level, um, and uh, and I'll jump in as one as one who really believes from the scriptures that life begins with conception and and that God, more importantly, that God made us all in His image and life is to be held sacred. Um, this court case is not the end all be all, but it has represented a huge issue for us in the way I think perception of life is in our country. Um, so there are, there are a bunch of Christians that are bunch of Christians that are pro-life. There are also a bunch of Christians that, that are, are focusing more on women's rights and health, health, they call it health reproduction and, uh, benefits and those kind of things. Um, but, uh, regardless, uh, I know that we we here as a church uh, in our leadership anyway are just unapologetically pro-life and and continue to wrestle with what that means. Um, so, w- what are your initial thoughts on on seeing um, both that that particular case being overturned and a little bit of the aftermath and the conversations, national conversations over the last few days? It's you know it's it's interesting because I think back to you know Roe v. Wade was was before I was born. Um, and so I don't know, I grew up in the eighties and so I don't know a world outside of the, um, the, 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 uh, the, the pro-life, um, Christian involvement with politics side of things. I just don't, I don't know. I don't have any other context for that. I think back to, um, I think a conversation that I must have had with my dad in say 92 around that, around that case. When I remember asking my dad, um, what is abortion? Because I didn't know what it was. I was, I was 12 and 92. And so, um, I didn't have any context for it. And so it's, it's, it's different seeing this when I don't know anything other than this, um, this, uh, this stark contrast between pro-life, pro-choice and, um, you know all of the things that we've that we've that I, at least I've always seen of you know the, uh, the 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 sidewalk to an abortion clinic that has people with signs and yelling and screaming and and all of these things and so it's uh, I don't I don't know what to expect coming out of the you know what is what is those what does the United States look like that's different now you yeah. know um, well one thing if if I can yeah. oh my gosh with a big disclaimer of I'm just not. I have I have zero lawyer in me. Uh, I think of friends like David Knight here at Colonial that are longtime practicing attorneys, um, although he's retired now. But um, man, I'm thinking of my best friend. I should call Dave, who's a longtime JAG and now practices law up in Colorado. He'd be helpful. But I've enjoyed listening to David French and some other people and podcasts that are, that can speak to it right. from a constitutional law aspect. My understanding is that. Really, all this does it does it does not mean now abortion is prohibited across the country. Right, it does it's not, not mean a, that. It's not a. Pe- which, it's not the period. Which right. I think, you know, uh, probably a, a decent chunk of Christians, or or I should say this, a decent chunk of pro-lifers, 
mistakenly believe, oh, now abortion's illegal. Right. It's actually not that cut and dry. It, it specifically is overturning a federal case, which means now it's up to the states. Right. Now everything turns around yes. and it's up to your, your local legislation. There's already, last I saw, there's already seven, eight, nine states that have uh, made abortion illegal. Um, and those states, we could list them off. They wouldn't surprise you. Many of them have trigger laws, basically, that they were already there, that if this happens, yes. that with, within a month is what I read, yep. that some of these, these new laws will That's a new place. term for me, these trigger laws. Yeah. Uh, I believe Texas was one of them, uh-huh. um, where, uh, t- you just said it well, it, um, if and when Roe v. Wade gets overturned, if and when that thing gets, the door gets cracked open, we're automatically, we've already passed it, we're automatically right. going to prohibit abortion. And I think that number's in the 20s. Um, if I remember right. So um, the point there is there's a large section of the country, a, a good long list of states that are prohibiting abortion with different language, with different parameters. But there's also the other side of that. There's a large number of states, a significant number of states that uh, abortion is still le- is still legal in different uh, with different parameters. Um, and ha- ever, all signs point to will continue yeah. to to uh, have it legal. So, um, if not expand access, if not expand access, we also I, one of the things you brought up. You know, there's so many different reactions to this. Um, you know, there's some large companies that are openly uh, saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give our employees mm-hmm. uh, they call them you know medical benefits. We're gonna oh you you live in a state where it's illegal now." If you want an abortion, we will fit the bill. We will fly you to such such place where it's legal right. and cover your expenses. Um, and so it's like, to me, it's just not cut and dry. Mm. It, I, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. It's worth celebrating uh, as a pro-lifer because, um, as, as one article I was reading put it, even with a lot of disclaimer about how there's, there's so much complexity to this issue moving forward, he said, the fact is there will be less abortions um, performed than there were. Mm-hmm. That right there, if you're pro-life, is worth celebrating. There will be less abortions. Um, now, the ripple effect of that is significant. What does that mean for the foster care system? What does that mean for babies born into poverty that would not have otherwise been that we're celebrating they're alive, but what, what, what happens to them? Um, what, what does it mean? How does this, I hadn't even thought about this till I read something recently. How does this affect human trafficking Mm. with, with unwanted kids? Mm. And, um, none of that changes my pro-life stance, but it raises good, significant questions. And I love, um, I love that we have been called up in the last few days. And I think in a healthy way, by some Christian leaders in different parts of our country saying, okay, that was great. Let's high five. Let's celebrate. What does it look like now moving forward to advocate for these mothers? Now they can't make that choice, Mm -hmm. but they've got to make all these other choices. How do we love them? We value life, right? Not just life pre-birth, as it said, but life after birth, life for the mother, Life for the family. How do we as a church with a capital C, how do we partner even more with adoption agencies? How do we partner yeah. even more with the foster care program? How do we pover- how do we partner even more with with different ministry arms dealing with head on with poverty? 
crisis pregnancy center. Yes, and and we've got you know um, places right here in in our community. Remind us right here in our community, tangible ministries that we are partnering with at some small level and yeah. can do more with. Remind us. I, I mean, there's there's probably a list far longer than I can think of. Well, give us a few head. headlines. Though. Um, uh, the center is is yes. one. I mean, we went out there a couple of a, 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 not that long ago. Yeah, a month ago or so to to help do some work there and. Um, I think that will continue to be. We'll, we're planning on going back out there in mm. in a few weeks. Um, you know, so so th- it's interesting to see how that will change. Um, Peaches, uh, what's that stand for? Presbyterian Children's Home and okay. Services. They are ones that we have we have partnered with in the past to take care of um, families in need or uh, to help help foster. Uh, help help families foster family uh, f- foster kids and um, even even CPS you know child protective services here or, or DHPS and um, D- DHPS DFPS Department of Family Services yeah uh, you know even just the ways that the state is involved like if those things are affected in this way you know how many more ways can we be a part of of doing all of of being a part of that and and as you said. Um, you know, as we talked about some of the statistics last time we talked about abortion, you know, a lot of a lot of women that end up in uh, getting an abortion are coming from a financial hardship place. And so how many ways can the church be a part of that and look forward saying, OK, if some of the statistics that we're reading of this may knock down 10, 12, maybe generously 15 percent of abortions that are now illegal, who knows, maybe more than that. Um, what about this other huge chunk of them? And so how can we make effects, you know, how can we move forward and do some of that work to help mm. curb this? And Absolutely. I hadn't even thought about it, just just as you said, you know, human trafficking and, and so many different ways that this is not just a quick and easy um, solution to everything, Yeah. you know? Yeah. I was... Um encouraged uh i'm really not on twitter much lately i haven't been for a while i kind of have it's probably like a good tv show or something all of a sudden i'm immersed in it for Uh you know a short season and then for a while i just i stray away but i was on twitter this weekend and i um i'm proud to call him my friend um bob mccartney down the street at first baptist wichita falls he's a he's a good man he loves jesus he's a kingdom-minded guy and, and obviously leads the biggest church in our big small town he retweeted a couple of things um, as Roe v. Wade was overturned, and I thought this was good. He retweeted an, a pastor friend of his that said, Every Jesus follower should rejoice today that life created in the image of God was protected even when it is most vulnerable. Also, every Jesus follower should resolve like never before to come alongside every woman and child in crisis to love them in Jesus' name. And I thought that was a great um, just encapsulation of let's high five and, and celebrate and let's recognize there is a ton of work to be done. Mm. It was already there and we, we could have, should have, would have already been doing it. In a lot of ways, we already have been. But, but man, let's not just throw a party. Let's, let's high five and get right back to work and come alongside, as, as this, this pastor put it, come alongside every woman and child in crisis to love them in Jesus name. Um, one specific thing, because adoption is near and dear to my heart. Um, I love this, this thing that Bob posted as well. He retweeted, um, someone saying now let's make adoptions cost less than a private jet. 
Thousands are willing to love little ones as sons and daughters, but they can't be expected to pay the equivalent of a chateau in the south of France. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you have adopted, Uh we've adopted, and, um, you know, there used to be adoption credits that the government would, would help us with. Yep. Um, which I unapologetic, unapologetically took full advantage Absolutely. of, and those have gone away. Right. Um, I, you know what? I, on a side note, I'd like to think maybe that. I'm not a big fan of the government um, printing money, as we've done a lot of lately, but uh, I am a huge fan of in the wake of Roe v. Wade getting turned over. Wouldn't it be great if the government also came along and said, we care about women. We care about women in crisis. We care about kids Adoption is still a huge issue. There's still way too many kids in the foster care program. How can we, with policies and with funding, change that dynamic? You know, mm. um, I don't know how much of that's on the government, how much of that's on the church, and how much of that's on us individually. But, but to me, that's the call up in the wake of this overturning uh, of Roe v. Wade. Um, so I know that the, um, the conversation we've been having going through Acts 15 recently— um, and and going through the book, win some convictions. We've talked about how to disagree. Doesn't necessarily apply specifically because that's specifically about more so about when Christians disagree with Christians. Um, in in light of Roe v. Wade changing this week, um, how do we move forward in this as Jesus followers and disagree well mm. with? The people that will be around us in at work, some in some capacity, at at play, yeah, that are not celebrating this. Yes, that are mourning it. That are mourning this, or that, that are, are, mad, are, are terrified, or, yeah. or feel like their rights have been removed. That's a good point. How do we move forward in this when we are definitely going to be around people that disagree? That's a great question. And, and to your point, you're right. That's not winsome conviction. That's not Acts 15. That's not how Christians disagree with Christians. Although. It's worth saying there are Christians who would call themselves pro-choice. There's a there's a sure. significant number right, of them. Right. That's a whole other conversation. But you're saying, regardless of where they are in their faith, Christian, non-Christian, whatever, how do we celebrate this? So you know, unapologetically, and still rub shoulders, do life every day with mm-hmm. people who are at the same exact time. There there are people you know this weekend at the Capitol in. Um, Oh my goodness! Is is it Norman? Where's where's the Ardmore? <laughs> Enid? Is it Enid, Oklahoma? Is the capital? Is the capital of kidding. Texoma? I'm kidding. Where's the what's the capital of Oklahoma? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Texan, man. You could have just gone with Austin. I, I'm been. Texan. Uh, Austin. Yes. <laughs> Every capital in the country. Wow. There are edit. edit Maybe that would have been back easier. and edit this out. All of all yes, of the capitals. Don't reveal my ignorance. <laughs> all the all the state capitals. There were people there. Um, in fact, in fact, to your point, Brooke, I, I watched people this weekend on news footage weeping and tears of joy, right. celebratory tears. We, we overturned Roe v. Wade. They're pro-life. They're celebrating. And I watched other video footage on the news of, of people at these various state capitals, as you put it, um, <laughs> who are weeping tears of sadness, tears of fear, tears of anger that Roe v. Wade was turned over. And so I think I think that's a great picture to keep in our heads that we can be passionate about this. We can believe as a pro-lifer, I'll speak for me, that this matters and that 
we are fighting for the rights of the vulnerable, the, the, the least uh, able to defend themselves, the voiceless in, in unborn children. And all at the same time, we've got to recognize there's other people that see it radi- genuinely, mm-hmm. radically. Di- they're not just baby killers. Mm-hmm. They're not just hate-filled people. Some of these people are really, really good. Some of these people love Jesus, mm-hmm. if I can go that far. How do we interact with them? And how do we um, go to work with them? That's the question I hear you asking, yeah. right? Yeah. Which the very short answer that um, is, is it's so much more difficult than this and complicated than this, but the very short answer is we have got to be the most loving people on the planet. I, I don't know how else to say it. If, if we are not loving the heck out of our coworkers, for example, and, and somehow overcoming them seeing us just as judgmental, arrogant, uh, religious, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, um, anti-baby killer, you know, um, what, whatever boxes they put us in, right or wrong, we, I, don't, I don't know how, if, if our generosity doesn't blow them away, if our kindness doesn't blow them away, if our patience and listening ear doesn't blow them away, if our ability to sacrifice what we want or need in the moment for what they want or need in the moment doesn't blow them away, then we have no shot at having these kind of conversations. Um, it's not about some kind of um, philosophical or constitutional law argument or, in my mind, it's it's got to be grounded in love. And I don't know if that's helpful or, or flat out overwhelming, you know? Yeah. But... I really believe, I really, really believe that's the answer. Um, I, I think it's, maybe, maybe maybe if I can get more practical, that's lovey-dovey, if I can get more practical, <laughs> it's it's choosing to listen. Mm. It's, asking, it's asking for every one statement we make, it's asking 10 questions, which feels overwhelming. But it's, tell me, tell me what your thoughts are about this. Tell me, tell me why. Tell me, tell me what, what makes you feel pretty strongly that this is where life begins or doesn't begin. Like, I'm just curious and, and not reacting with, you know, this horrific facial gesture (laughs) that speaks Mm. volumes. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think, I think that's what it looks like listening, uh, showing them we care, being unapologetic about what we think. But, um, what do you think? Do you have different thoughts? Um, you know, I th- I think the thing that sticks out to me is um, our social medias that seem to be the ways that we have these conversations far more often than let's sit down and have a conversation one on one. And maybe that's maybe that's the question is you know if if you are close to somebody um, on the other side of this, you know how can you sit down and have a conversation that is constructive and loving and not just um, you know, ha ha, we won, or or you know, any any number of other ways that this go, <laughs> this could go badly, right? Um, and, and think about the things that you're posting. You know, with with the things that you're posting, you know, you may get responses from um, the echo chamber that uh, that that the algorithms create for you, um, but you also may be very visible to somebody who doesn't respond. Um, and so I, I think you, I think you're, you're honest, you know, to be, to be loving in this, it's not necessarily going to be easy for everyone 
to be empathetic to somebody who uh, feels like their rights are being taken away, um, not, you know, and to, to be understanding. I mean, that's what this, that's what even, even to go back to Winsome Conviction, it talks about at the end, you know, it, can you fully understand and restate what that, what yeah. the, the, the other person is, is, is feeling. Right. And, and thinking and, and reasoning. Thinking, right. Yeah. It, can you? I don't know. I, I don't know that I can all the time. And well, especially because they're different. I mean, there may be one person right. who's pro-choice, who it's all about women's rights, mm-hmm. and they just have some some wounds mm-hmm. about the way women have treated, some convictions about the way women's have been mistreated, and have fought in different areas for for women to be loved and respected and treated better in the workplace and better in the home, and mm-hmm. and that's a natural overflow. And for someone else, um, it it can just be this. I don't see it as life. I see it as mm. it's not life until it comes out of out of the mom, you know, after the full gestation period. And I just how, that's what I believe, and I've studied it. And it's not an emotional thing for them. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> and at some level, there's not even an arg- you know how do you argue that? Mm. You know, you disagree. And uh, well, here's my scientist that I watch and says this. Yeah. Because there, there are scientists that will right. tell you all kinds of things. And so, you know? and, and I think that's why I go back to social media is it's so easy to say, well, no, but this. Well, no, but this. Um, and and we lose that. You know, it's it's almost like because it's on the Internet, now we don't have to be loving. And, uh, and even if we are trying, which, you know, maybe we need to go over and above in the ways that we are um, attempting to show love through social media. You know, maybe that's maybe that's part of it is it's not as easy to just say, hey, I love you. But, you know, as we all know, that sometimes the uh, the but means whatever I said first doesn't really matter because what I wanted to say is this thing. Right. So I I don't know. I I think I think it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult, Yeah. you know, or has has a potential to be very difficult. Well. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I enjoyed a particular Christianity Today article, and I, I, maybe let's close this subject up with the way he closed up a particular article. He said, how then should pro-life Christians celebrate the end of Roe v. Wade? Uh, perhaps by partnering with ministries such as these, and he's already listed various ministries um, you know, that, that we have available, like you mentioned here in Wichita Falls. Um, and he quotes somebody there in a local ministry. He said, when a mom is advocated for, this is the answer, by the way, how do we love people mm. that disagree with us? When a mom is advocated for, families are preserved, foster care statistics plummet, and the foster care system's pipelines to poverty, prison, addiction, and homelessness begin to slowly fade. Mm. The end of Roe v. Wade will honor the sanctity of human life and deliver children safely into the world. It will also bring real hardships for many mothers. The best way we can celebrate the children who will be born of Rose demise is to love the mothers who raised them. Hmm. That's a great picture for me. How do we celebrate these these children that now have life that wouldn't have had otherwise? Well, it's to love their moms really, really well. Let's go. And as a post you said earlier, you read to me, yeah. said, "Now the work begins." Yep. You know. Yep. Which, which, in fairness. It's already been done. I, like people like Vanetta, you know, they're mm-hmm. leading the Hope Center. Um, is my they say right? The Hope Center, center, the center. Now, center. For, it's a pregnancy crisis center here in town. The center, right? She's been doing that for a while. Pam Spruill been involved there on the board for a while. Like right. the, the ch- our church partnering for a while. 
it doesn't mean oh now we should start it just <laughs> right. means we got to kick it up about four mm-hmm. notches mm-hmm. let's let's put our money where our mouth is and not just celebrate the end of roe v wade if you thought legislation was going to fix it yep you need to realize there is still a lot of work to be done boy we sh- you know what we should follow up with them even in the coming weeks and just say you know has funding increased has volunteerism mm. increased and and god forbid they go no no, people were just. We saw people on the news celebrating the end of Roe v. But Roe v. Wade, but we have not, we haven't seen people stack hands and and help in this way. Let's let's be those people. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure we could have multiple really long conversations just about abortion and Roe v. Wade. And, no doubt. And keep going. Can I just make a quick <laughs> snide remark, by the way, before we tra- change subjects? I don't know. Maybe. Um, as a pastor with a microphone on a stage. This is a quick, vulnerable place for me. (laughs) I struggle with a lot of people's opinions on whether or not we should talk about politics, Hmm. especially the last few years. I have really good friends that I love, that love Jesus, that say, you don't talk about politics enough. Hmm. I want to know as a Christian how to intersect my faith with the things of the world. You need to talk about it more. And I also have a lot of Christian friends that I love and respect. They love Jesus who say, don't ever talk about politics. Talk about Jesus. Talk about, and, and one, of my, one of my pushbacks to everybody is, what is politics? Because for some reason, we have a tremendous amount of freedom as Christian leaders to talk about abortion. But, for example, don't talk about guns, mm. you know. And, and I'm not here to make a political statement in the moment about either one of those things. I'm saying, for some reason, there's a short list of subjects that, to me, are every bit as political as a lot of other things that are okay to talk about. Yeah. And there's a, a, a decent list of things that are every bit as, you know, everyday life that you, how do we intersect our faith with, but they're in the political column that you should never talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just want to insert that in. Um, I want to say bravely, but timidly on our podcast (laughs) that would you pray for pastors? Would you pray, not just for Lauren, would you pray for Christian leaders across our country to seek the Lord? God, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me not to talk about? How do you want us to call people to truth, to call out false teachings, uh, which clearly is biblical, but also to call our people up to intersect their faith with different important things that are going on in the world and and just help us navigate that. And oh my goodness, I think, I know, I know, I'll finish with this. I know that pastors across our country are struggling with that challenge. I'm one of them. Mm. Pray for us. Don't stop giving us your two cents. That's coming <laughs> often. <laughs> but I would long for you to pray and encourage and 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 love us well through that that navigating. All right, let's shift gears. Okay. All right, so to get back to our origin story, which is um, going through the book of Acts, and we are, uh, I don't even remember looking at the references um, and, and noticing this week, but in, in Acts 15... This is the end of Acts 15? This is the end of Acts 15, yes. Okay, and so in this this chunk, we have gone through the controversy at the beginning of Acts 15. 14, 15, yeah. And dealing with all of this stuff, and now to a place where Paul and Barnabas, who have been the heroes of the mission trips, are now saying goodbye. Yeah. 
They broke up the band. That's the way I like to say it. Which, <laughs> broke up the band. if you're a music fan, you know how big a deal that is when your favorite Brutal. band finally breaks up, as so many of them do. You're like, oh, wait, wait, what? What happened? You know, mm-hmm. Paul and Barnabas had this amazing thing going. They were leaders. They were messengers of the gospel. They started churches, and they had such a sharp disagreement. The scripture tells us that they parted ways. Um, big deal. And it's it's interesting. I, I just thought about this in the moment that it, it's you know it, this chapter has been all about the controversy and the dealing with all of this stuff, but that their disagreement doesn't have anything to do with the controversy that brought them there that brought them back to Jerusalem. Evidently not in the first place. It's about it's about relationships. It's about Mark bailing on them earlier. It's about their respective relationships with Mark. Um, I wish we had transcript of the conversations, <laughs> the language <laughs> used, the, the hand gestures. The we, I wish because uh-huh. it evidently was a big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't even to, it wasn't even about becoming Jewish, not becoming Jewish. Right. You know, to be a follower of Jesus, it wasn't about that. I don't know how to describe. Like we, so the other one was the the, the previous controversy was they that they vehemently argued, right? Yes. yes. And this one says that they. Uh, that they had a sharp disagreement. I don't have a a good definition of a sharp disagreement, but I can almost visualize a sharp disagreement. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and so it's it's just it's it's another chance for us to see, as you said as you said on Sunday that the early church was not perfect. Yeah, they had stuff that they had to work through and had to deal with, just like any other church has to work through and deal with. And this was another one of those times that. Paul and Barnabas then had to say, okay, so what do we do here? Yeah. I very much disagree with you, and I am digging in my heels. You know, I am I am holding on to my side, and I'm not giving way anymore. But I don't hate you. Yeah. I'm not saying you're the worst person ever, and nobody should listen to anything you say anymore, and um, to jump to what you talked about as later on in, in, uh, um, I can't remember where, where it was. Second Timothy, where yeah. you talk about where he says, Hey, where hey he bring, says, Mark oh, yeah. and bring Mark with he you. He could really be helpful. Yeah. That obviously something has changed. Yeah. Whether that's, uh, you know, Paul has grown to love whatever Mark has become. Right. Or he's grown to see maybe the benefit that, that Mark was to Barnabas mm-hmm. from the start. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. But just that there's that there's growth either direction, and uh, and that he's still not, you know, <laughs> writing him off and saying, yeah, forget that guy. Yeah, totally, totally. I I I I love that that's included. I know I mentioned this yesterday. I'm just I find so much comfort in reading of the messiness of our heroes. You know, mm-hmm. if if these two men who are fully committed to Jesus. They're apostles. They're apostles. <laughs> They're leaders of the church. Um, if these guys can have such a disagreement about biblical principle, about things that matter, if they can have such conflict relationally, um, then it just it reminds me, okay, this is going to happen. It's going to happen again next week. It's going to happen yep. again next year. It's going to happen again. And I don't mean that pessimistically. I mean that that comes with the territory of relationships. And, and yet... Um, just because we disagree with each other doesn't mean we stop loving each other, stop praying for each other, stop um, being united in the advancement of God's kingdom, e- even if we part ways, you know? 
Uh, I do have a couple other thoughts I wanted to maybe double down on from yesterday. Okay. Um, one is, I, and I may have said it a little better in the second service yesterday. It's always a, it's always a challenge when I preach twice to wonder if I was consistent or if I said it better in one of the two services. But um, you know, we've obviously I, I, a big. Let me start with the second thing in mind first. Actually, a big push in the message was from my angle as a teacher was to stick. I hope that's a word that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuck, stuck. I guess I just used it <laughs> to describe itself. Stuck with people. I hope the word <laughs> stick stuck with you. Um, because I just, I see in our culture a lack of oneness. You know, the uh, divorce rates, uh, how quickly we jump ship when it comes to churches, how quickly we bounce around from friendship to friendship. Uh, obviously, our culture's incredibly um, a whole lot more mobile than mm-hmm. it ever was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world's gotten smaller. We can travel. Um, I know that a couple generations ago, you kind of grew up in the same town, you know, sometimes for your life, certainly three or four generations ago. Well, your generation, Brooke, and mine, if I can separate them, I hate admitting that, um, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're so much more mobile. I, I mean, I, I lived in Germany, Texas, mm-hmm. Colorado. I've traveled the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a common story. That's mm. not necessarily unique. Oh, Lauren's so different, you know. Yeah, I three, think three different states for us. Yeah, and I th- I think that it speaks to a lack of common experience of sticking mm. with friendships, sticking in a marriage, sticking with a church family. And I really feel convicted in the context of God's call to oneness for us. Uh, oneness in marriage. You know, in Genesis, he says, let, let man and come to, man, wife come together. Let no one pull them apart. Uh, they become one flesh. It's a spiritual union. It's not just a certificate. It's, I think it's a supernatural connection that is not meant to be severed. Uh, in Malachi, God says, I hate divorce. Um, it, it's a call to oneness. Uh, Jesus said, I, I pray that they experience beautiful unity together long-term and so not just in marriage but in church family life and um so much in scripture about about the call to keep short accounts and forgive each other in our friendships and and fight for resolution and and matthew 18 instructions on how to resolve conflict with each other it's a call to oneness and so with that being said and then this is where i get personal i bring in my own man i've I've lived in a lot of places and I'm, I'm so grateful for that, but there's a cost to it. I've lost friendships in my mobility. Uh, I have been a part of multiple churches and part of me, I want to be a part of a church for a long haul. I envy some of the people I've met here at Colonial, some of the people I've met here in Wichita Falls, they've been here their whole lives or they've been at Colonial almost since it started 30 something years ago. Yeah. Or, or I, I think of, um, I know we've got a question from Terry Johnson, one of our longtime colonial people and small group leaders that we'll get to in a minute. You know, I, I envy those folks that have done life together as friends for 20 years. They, they were there when kids were born. They were there when kids were baptized. They were there when kids were married. <laughs> and I don't have um, friends that I've done all of those things with. Yeah. And so another just personal um projection into this teaching is I just, I think not every time, not in every relationship, not in every marriage, even not in every church we stick, but I think way, way more often than not, 
there's a call to stick. I think when we're working for Employer X and we see the grass greener over there, I'm I'm not saying, you know, you never should go. Right. I'm not saying it, it may be as much as 50-50 some, you know, a lot of the times. Mm. But I'm I'm just saying I I think there's an angst in us for something new. Um, I, I know as a stereotypical dude, I love new challenges. Mm-hmm. I've wrestled with that. Like, oh, the honeymoon's over at my mm-hmm. new job. It's getting hard. They're starting to see me for who I am. I'm kind of a, <laughs> kind of a mess. You know, it'd be cool to just start over down the road. Like, that's, yeah. that's not just a pastor thing. I think that's in any line of work. Right. And I think, I think God's like, I think maturity might just look like sticking. Yeah. I think it might look like persevering through and enjoying the richness of long-time relationships and long-time influence and long-time mutual understanding. And so that's one side of it. But the second thing I want to get to... Hang on. Before you get there, I got, yes. I got a question. Sure. I know we're getting late, and you want to get, we want to get to that. Are we and getting late already, Brooke? I know. It's, it, you've talked a lot. Um, <laughs> well, that's refreshing. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, I'm just kidding. So, okay, so in light of sticking, obviously we're talking about Paul and Barnabas that are splitting. And then we're talking about spl- uh, sticking together at the same way. How do we draw that line and say, this is when it's time to do this, and this when it's not? Because I think we use examples like this. Like, I think about Jesus flipping tables, right? We use that. We, I think a lot of times we use that as an example of, no, it's, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry and to make a big deal and, and do all that. We take these, these examples, and we use them as justification for really what we wanted to do in the first place. So... How do we say, okay, I'm looking at Paul and Barnabas and they're split and saying, maybe the justification inside me says, see, it's okay for me to leave. It's okay for me to leave. So now how do I draw that line and say, now it's not time for me to leave. Now it's time for me to stick. Even though the example I'm reading says, no, they did. Well, two thoughts. Quick answer, go. Quick answer is (laughs) the Paul and Barnabas separated. That is a singular outlier. Show me something else. Show me another, show me, show me five examples in scripture. Yeah. Show me 10 examples in scripture where leadership, where godly, God honoring people agreed to disagree and parted ways. That is the exception to the rule. That's my point is way more often than not, we're supposed to stick, Yeah. you know, marriage, look at, look in the scriptures. When is it okay to divorce? The scripture is clear. Uh, when there has been sexual infidelity, um, God gives us permission. It, it, we, that, that spiritual union has been broken. He gives us permission. Um, but but the Scripture all around it is like, ah, I hate divorce. It's not what I made you for. Mm-hmm. It, it's made for life. I, I made you to, to do life together forever. And so uh, it's the exception. Yeah. Um, and so... I think when when else did Jesus turn the tables over? When else did did Jesus crack the whip? Give me give me five examples of that. Give me ten examples of that. No, it's a, it's a singular outlier. It's an exception. And I I personally wow I'm getting riled up here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna calm down. It, it's a, it's an exception. It, and so I think that's my point. Is is it's gray? They're, mm. they're, you know, but but let's lean toward the more prevalent teaching which is to stick. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, that's a good transition to say there is a time and a place, and I want to speak to people who are in, for example, um, situations in a marriage where you're being abused physically. You're being abused emotionally. Um, My heart is heavy for you, and there is a time and a place to seek safety. 
to get the heck out of there. It is it is it is honoring to the Lord to duck and run, and and find protection. Um, maybe even to the point of divorce. Um, I really believe that that is that is guilt free. You're you're doing what I think the Lord wants you to do in that regard. You seek counsel, you get help, but um, I think in friendships. Uh, I think more often than not, we're supposed to stick. More often than not, we're supposed to fight fight for resolution, for reconciliation, to live in unity. But there are some friendships that, man, toxicity, just poison, um, someone using the other, uh, passive-aggressive, constant behavior that is really unhealthy and downright destructive. There's a time and a place to go, you know what? I am going to distance myself from that friend. What do we do as parents? And this is a little different. What do we do as parents? We see our, our kid hanging out with that negative influence. Um, we don't want them to stop loving that person. Mm-hmm. We don't want to teach them that. But there's a time and a place to go. I'm not going to let you go over to their house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to let you have an overnighter with that kid. I'm right. not going to let you spend a ton of time with that kids because of the choices they're making, the mm-hmm. values they have. Mm-hmm. There's something about healthy separation. Now you're asking, when do we know? <laughs> That's why we do life together in community. Yeah. We, we lean into each other for advice. That's why we have professional counselors. That's why we have big brothers, big sisters in Christ that we lean into. Um, that's why we pray and ask God for wisdom. He promises in, in every situation, he promises to give us wisdom if we ask for it. So, do I stick with this relationship? Do I stick with this church? Um, is false teaching a reason to get the heck out of there? Absolutely. But but hold on, hold on. Is this just teaching you don't like? You're not you're not in full agreement with, uh, or you don't understand? Or is this heresy? Is this counter to mm-hmm. what careful study of Scripture is saying? I think we, I think we use false teaching as a quick getaway card it's a lot easy justification a lot it's not i don't like the carpet or i don't like the music it's false it's heresy well be careful (laughs) is this about salvation is this about um the authority of scripture or is this some secondary tertiary issues that no no this is my church family i'm not walking away just because that that one thing was said that i disagree with right okay your other thing that you want to talk about from Sunday, you wanted to clarify. No, I think I did both of them actually without meaning to. I wanted to talk about sticking. Okay, this is good for you because you want me to shut up and, and shorten our time. <laughs> I talked about sticking, and I talked about a time and a place to separate. Those are the two things okay, yeah, yeah. I really wanted. Okay, you know what? I, I will <laughs> since you said uh-huh, uh-huh. I will expand on the sticking part. Um, <laughs> another another influence on me has been Eugene Peterson. I think I've mentioned him. Yeah, eight out of the last. 12 weeks. <laughs> I've, I've enjoyed reading. He's got a, a trilogy. That's not, that's not the way I put it. He's got three books. It's, they're not, it's not a story back to back to back. It's three books he wrote a long time ago for pastors that have, oh, just been so helpful to me. Um, he's a longtime pastor. A lot of people know him because he paraphrased the message. Uh, he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Um, but he, he has become one of my heroes because he stuck. He, he teaches, even, even at the risk of being wrong sometimes, because you can't make you know, statements that apply to everybody in every situation, but he teaches pastors, don't look for greener grass. Don't, don't give up when things get hard. Um, stick. Stick with your people. People are difficult everywhere you go. <laughs> there are critics in every church. Um, I, I would just say um, 
Peterson's become a hero to me, and I want to stick. I, I don't know what the plan is. I may be gone from Wichita Falls within the year, you know, because life happens. But I want, I want to be vulnerable and share my heart. My heart's desire, especially at 52, is that Carrie and I are here for a long, 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 long time because we want to stick and we want to be faithful even if things get, you know, really hard. It's also what has allowed me to just keep my head up and be excited and hopeful in a pandemic. Yeah. In in a church that's down over 50% in attendance, mm. that we're struggling financially and wrestling with hard decisions and and I I am I don't mind admitting I've got some people that are demoralized around me and I've got some people that are uh, even upset. Um and and I I think one of the reasons I'm hopeful and determined moving forward is it's not because I've got my blinders on and I'm naive. It's because I hear the Lord saying, Hey, just stick, be faithful, stick, control the things you can control, love people, teach truth. That that's, uh, it's life giving to me. Yeah. Okay. So we, uh, we got a question that we want to, that we want to, to, to get into real quick here before we wrap up. Um, the question says, how much do you think the avoidance of conflict by the way we by the compartmentalization of our lives is uh, as a part of our oh gosh sorry this is it's got got some commas in here throwing me off um, as a part as currently popular in our culture contributes to the difficulty in getting people engaged in small groups at church so how much do you think the avoidance of conflict by compartmentalization of our lives as currently popular contributes to the difficulty of getting people engaged in small groups? Is it a big risk, big reward that people are just unwilling to take? As this, as this question says, uh, as a longtime member of a small group, we can attest to the amazing, amazing results. Rewards. Uh, or, or, rewards. Yeah, you're right. Rewards. Uh, and, um, and, but it's also taken a long time, uh, a lot of work over the years, and it's not always been easy. Yeah. So why are is this is this a part of is this a part of why people don't want to get into small groups? I think I think there's some there's some truth to what Terry's implying here in his questions. Um, Terry is a, a, a again for context, and, and he he mentioned that he didn't mind if this he didn't wasn't trying to be anonymous in his question. Uh, and Terry's been a guest on our podcast before, by the way. Um, if you haven't heard Terry Johnson's story, maybe in the show notes you can put the episode number of when. Uh, I don't know if it was Terry and Karen together, I believe, but they shared their story. Worth <laughs> worth pointing people back to. One of my favorite episodes of Karen our... was Karen was here, but uh, Terry did all the talking. <laughs> I love you, Terry. <laughs> well, all that to say, they have been here at Colonial for 20-plus years. I don't want to put a number on it because I'll be wrong. They have been in a small group and leading a small group for 20-plus years, and it's, a, it's our, probably our biggest small group. Can you say biggest small, biggest small group here at the church, longtime friends. And what I hear you saying in this question is one, you're saying, man, we've loved it. It's been really, really hard, but it's been worth it. Uh, you're asking how much is it? Um, we, we all like to, to scatter and maybe even a word I would use. Terry didn't use these words, but we like to find our echo chambers. We like to find people who, who agree with us. Um, and kind of compartmentalize our lives that way. How how much are people leery, possibly, of signing up for a group experience at a church like Colonial, um, knowing that 
it's going to be with people that they may not see eye to eye with on things or disagree. I think that's what you're asking. And I think there's some truth to that, Terry. Um, here, here's, here's one of my thoughts. Brooke and I talked about this a little bit offline. Help me out here, Brooke. In my mind, I see this on a big continuum. If on one end, you've got uh, Terry and Karen's group, they've been friends forever. They know each other really, really well. This didn't happen overnight. They've worked through a lot of hard things together. They've gone through crisis together. They've loved each other well. The opportunity to disagree on things, the opportunity to call each other out on the carpet, even with with maybe a, a, a way that's so much harsher than you would ever think you know, people would do, so much more honesty, that's on one end. And then on the other end of the spectrum, literally, is that new person in, in community, that, that new group, that, that new couple in town, that new single guy or girl that steps into a group experience, and, and that, ah, how much do I share about my own life? How much do I share about my own opinions? Pretty quickly you find a, a, a consensus of the group that, oh my goodness, if I don't see it that way, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Hmm. Um, I, think, I think there's some reality to that. And what I would say is we already have our echo chambers. We already have our best friends we agree with on everything, so to speak. I think the church offers us an opportunity. I'm biased. I think everybody should be in a group at Colonial. I, I, everybody. Because I think it offers us an opportunity to have a different small set of friends that potentially could get richer and richer and richer. But even starting out as hard as it is, it's choosing to do life with a handful of people that agree on the main things, maybe a, a love for Jesus an interest in spiritual things, uh, a faith in God. And then from there room for different journeys, room for different generational perspectives, room for different racial perspectives, d- room for um, theological conversation. Let's talk about that teaching that was just given. Do we agree with that? What, what is God, what is God saying to us and what does he want us to do about it? And to do life on life, and take those risks. So I, I think Terry's question is appropriate, and that's not the right word. It's right on. I think there's some leeriness in people. I think people like Terry and Karen, and maybe people like me, I'll lump myself in, go, what are you waiting for? Why wouldn't you do this? It's worth it. Mm. And yet I'm probably forgetting, maybe Terry and Karen are forgetting how hard that is initially to take that leap of faith. Um. We did Rooted last year with a dozen folks or so that were very different from each other, didn't know each other very well. A couple people started talking about vaccines and on one extreme or the other, and you could just feel the tension in the room because we didn't have history together and we didn't have that deep friendship yet. Um, and so to navigate, it's even harder. I would say it was worth it. Like we became better and better friends. And so... Anything else you want to add to that for in, in the context of Terry's question? Um, I, I mean, I think uh, I think there's a, a whole lot of reasons why somebody might find it difficult to get into a small group, but I think we can we can talk about times that it was it was great to be in a small group, and um, and and I think it's unfortunate to look at like I can think of a small group that we were in that was amazing, and uh, we had a lot of kids that were in the same space, if you will, life, sk- life stage. Um, and so it was easier to do some of those things, uh, you know, meeting together and finding time together and really just spending time together because, you know, for, for let's say you and I, you and I, you and I's family, um, 
it could be difficult because your girls are much older than my girls Mm -hmm. or, you know, so, so just to be able to say, Hey, let's get our families together. That doesn't always work well and nice and easy. Um, and so to have, to have a group like that. And then, and then the difficulty is like, I mean, you know, I, I envy what he's saying that, you know, over the years that they've had the same, you know, relative, you know, I'm sure there's been changes throughout the group, but, um, you know, sometimes the small group falls apart because of life. Yeah. You know, True. not things that are True. not things that are not are, disagreements or right. not conflict. Right. right. And so but. sometimes sometimes it's like, yeah, we put a lot of work into that and yeah. now it's gone. And, and True. so um, and that doesn't True. mean that there's a reason not to do that by any means, because I yeah. mean, I still can, you know, as he said, amazing rewards like we had some great stuff come out of uh, our small group that even still affects us now that, um, you know, we, we don't get to we don't get to do life in the same way that we did for a while. But. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but I think it's, uh, you know, there, there are benefits to those, to those groups and getting in them. So I, I, I do, you know, we, we've talked about winsome conviction, uh, disagreeing without dividing the church. We've talked about this book, the last couple of podcast episodes, mm-hmm. I would like to jump relative to related to Terry's question about groups. Um, I, I just want to jump right into one example of how difficult this can be from the book chapter three can we do that before we wrap up go for it um instead of talking about something from today it's it's a little easier to go back farther in the past i'll I'll just going to read a few excerpts of this uh the author says that during the 1992 presidential election he was directing a small group ministry at their church and to give us uh, a refresher that man that's a long time ago 30 years ago uh, Bill Clinton was running against George H.W. Bush, so George W.'s dad. And um, given that many evangelicals found Bill Clinton to be an unsavory political figure, a large majority of white evangelicals voted against him. Well, then a few days later, Bill Clinton was elected, and he was facilitating a small group leaders' meeting. One of the leaders of these church small groups whose political convictions lean strongly Republican suggested that our small groups should have a time of lament in light of the recent election. And some others nodded in agreement. Was this a good idea, the author writes? I thought not. First, there was a political assumption of a clear alignment between the Republican Party and the Christian faith. Hence, if the Republicans lost, it would be a cause for Christians to lament. Obviously, that's an assumption. Uh, but a second problem seemed even, I'm skipping down, a second problem seemed even more important to me. It was more pastoral than political. And here's where I think we can apply this to, if you're in a small group out there and you're listening, or, or just in a small group of friends, it says there's this tendency in small groups for the majority view to become the only view expressed, especially when the leader of the group shares the majority view. Proponents of the minority view often duck and cover, waiting for the conversation to move on to more congenial topics. He goes on to say, with with these concerns in mind, I mentioned to the leaders, this is where I think the rubber meets the road. I think this might be a good exercise uh, for any of our small group leaders to do. I mentioned to the leaders that about 80% of evangelicals voted Republican, a fact that most seem to be aware of. Then I asked all of the leaders to take a sheet of paper and write down the two to three people in their group who likely voted Democratic. There was dead silence. No one picked up their pencils. 
Finally, a leader spoke up and said they didn't think anyone in their group had voted Democratic. I pointed out that if our congregation reflected the national averages for evangelicals, a small group of 12 to 14 people would have three Democrats. I was just asking them to stop and think who those people were and how they would likely feel if we opened up the small group meeting with a season of lament. It was an awkward moment. The leaders realized that opening the small group with a season of lament might not be welcomed by certain group members. They also realized that prayer times in the last several weeks leading up to the election were probably equally alienating. We had simply been blind to an underlying diversity of political convictions within our groups. And then here's where, okay, what do we do then? What do we do, Brooke? What do we do? Fix it. I want to read a couple paragraphs and then we'll stop. What is the solution to problems like these? Do we simply refuse to talk about politics? Should we only offer silent prayers about politics? Should Christians form political convictions based merely on their personal preferences and not try to anchor them in Scripture? Should we obey the famous saying and avoid talking about religion and politics? We believe, spoiler alert, so, does, so, do, so do I. <laughs> the author says, we believe none of these are good solutions. Instead, we need to cultivate well-formed Christian convictions about politics and a host of other matters. And we need to be able to give an account of how these convictions emerge from our Christian faith. This is just putting Romans 14 into action. But we need to be very thoughtful about forming our convictions. Man, challenging book. Mm. It's, it's a reminder that there is diversity of thought all around us, even as like-minded as we, we assume we are, um, as, um, as homogeneous as we, we tend to form our groups, there's still diversity among us. And I think, I think love looks like being very empathetic and very aware of that. And then, and then having the bravery to, to have conversation and to disagree, to, to achieve disagreement as we talked about last mm -hmm. week and, um, man, and, and to just center that in love in relationship, I just think it's really, really important. It's good. It's good. It's tough. Um, we like to we like to jump to quick conclusions and categorize people and uh, and do all those things that we sure do. We're tribal. Makes this yeah. all so much more difficult. So that's why Dallas Cowboys are America's team. If I can finish with that, <laughs> I don't know why everybody doesn't just see it that way. My favorite. <laughs> Love it. I wear a star all the time. You do not. I don't. I don't know how you can love Jesus and be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Can we just end with that deep thought? How do you love Jesus and boo when Michael Irvin pretty much breaks his leg? How do you, how do, you do that, Brooke? If you look at the national average and if it applies to our congregation. Um, <laughs> there's some Eagles fans there. There are at least a few Eagles fans. There's, in some, every... there's some Washington Commanders fans I've, I've met. I don't know. Are there... Are there any of those? There's at least a couple I can think of. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap this sucker up. Um, lots of stuff and always more coming on. Yep. So um, next week, don't forget, if you happen to listen to this, following the uh, in, during the week of its release, uh, we only have one service on Sunday. Sunday, July 3rd. July 3rd, 10 a.m. Come worship with us if you're in Santa, town. 10 a.m. Um, sorry, my elf came out there. Um 
and know him. I know him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so 10 a.m. on Sunday, um, we will only have the one service. So if you come at 9.15, I mean, I guess that'll work. You'll have time to get coffee and sit around and say hi to some folks. If you come at 11. If you come at 11, we can still give some quick hugs and high be fives. Fine. And I'll be fine. Knowing, the rest of your day. knowing Tanner and the worship team, we'll probably still be singing some songs. Hey, thanks for not throwing you. me under the bus there. Yeah, we, you, you're next. That's fine. Um, anyway, so uh, as always, um, we will get into uh, more stuff next week. And uh, don't forget, At The Movies is following that. So invite your friends, get your family here. Um, have some fun with all of that and expect that it might be a little weird walking in this uh, this coming weekend. But this has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com or from our app at the App Store, the Google Play Store. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your... I want to find a way to say this in like a in like a game show game show voice. You, you're very close already. Maybe you're, you're I, already, I don't know. I don't know. Send us your questions. Send us your feedback. Send us your thoughts. We'd love to to uh, to have those be a part of what we talk about here. So podcast at Colonial Church or uh, ColonialChurch.com. See, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. Podcast at ColonialChurch.com. That's our email. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm going to shut up now because I can't talk, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week. Thank you.